is up, everybody? Welcome back to First Down Rundown, where we give you a holistic view of the world of sports. Whether you're a casual fan or an avid fan, this is the place for you. We're your two hosts. I'm Hayden Vozar. He's Matt Vozar. And today is Monday, March 20th, the Monday after the first weekend in this year's NCAA tournament. And there was a lot of madness. It was it was kind of a weird tournament. We'll get into the specifics of it and everything, but it was kind of a, a, a at least a weird first round to the tournament. Um, first and second round. I, I would say that the second round was a little bit no, more normal, um, but the, the first round was a little bit different uh, just in terms of how many upsets we had, but also the the magnitude of the upsets, because I feel like the magnitude of the upsets was a little bit more than the amount of upsets that we had, because we usually have more upsets. It's that's a fact. And it didn't happen like that way this year. So, yeah, that, w- that was a, a pretty weird thing to go through. But as always, Matt and I were were watching almost every single minute of this tournament, this year's tournament. I didn't watch as much as Matt just because I was doing college things and having fun outside of watching that. But I was also watching March Madness at any time I could. If I if I went to a bar to get some food with my friends, I would watch March Madness on the TVs there. So very, very fun weekend to say the least. Um, and there's, I think this might've been like the earliest that we've ever had all brackets busted across every single site. So yeah, that was pretty interesting too. So I've got Matt on the other end here. My voice is a little bit shot. So if it gets a little bit annoying throughout the podcast, I understand, but I'm, I'm, I'm trying to work on it and it'll be a little bit of a work in progress, but Nonetheless, we're we're getting this episode out to you guys, and there's a lot to talk about today. So, Matt, how did you feel about this weekend? What are your what are your first thoughts, and what are your initial sentiments towards this past weekend? Well, it was the best weekend of the year, uh, as I always say. First round of March, first weekend of March Madness is the best, in my opinion. And I don't know how any other sports fan could disagree, unless you absolutely don't care about college basketball, in which case you're never going to really even care about to begin with. Uh, it delivered. It delivered, as Hayden said. I you know, historic weekend in general. Um, The upsets were historic. Again, Hayden, I think kind of nailed it right on the head where every March Madness is going to have upsets. It's going to have crazy, you know, lower seated teams beating higher seated teams and, you know, games that are, you know, end end in buzzer beaters or or whatever may happen. I, I don't think we really had the, the, the amount of, games in which that excitement was met uh, as much as we normally do, right? What what we did have was the magnitude, as Hayden pointed out correctly, of what the upsets were, what they meant in kind of the course of the history of college basketball. So I would almost take this amount of history being made over necessarily, you know, there being all the 14 seeds or beating all the three seeds, right? Um, We didn't see a lot of double-digit seeds get wins to begin with. Uh, And the ones that did, nobody really could point out, right? And and that's, I think, kind of something that we're going to get into here, especially in the first uh, segment, which is kind of where you're just going to kind of diagnose the, the biggest upsets. You know, you didn't you didn't have a 12 seed beat a five seed, which has been a, a staple for the last eight or nine years. Right. Um, 11 seeds over six seeds. We actually went through the statistic, uh, I guess. Well, it was probably in, in one of the podcasts leading up to uh, leading up to March Madness beginning. We said that in the last I think since 2015 or last 10 years or 11 years or something like that, uh, 11 seeds actually have won more games than six seeds. And so we were saying, you know, look out for the but that. 
our honest, honest reaction, you know, once we got the bracket in our hands was pretty much, Hey, I like these six seeds. The six seeds are, are, are really good this year. We had only one seed uh, beat a six seed in this year's tournament. All the three seeds won. Um, obviously you had, you know, the, the fifth, the one fifteen and the one sixteen seed win, but, but it, those kind of, you know, the, the magnitude of the upsets, I don't think, or the, the amount of the upsets weren't, I think as much as normal uh, in NCAA, you know, tournaments. And, and especially too, you get those kind of public public dogs right the 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 teams that that you kind of you know hey if you're if you're a casual fan of college basketball you either you know hear of an oral roberts so you hear of a drake or a kent state make a run in their respective conference tournaments uh and then and then you think okay hey i'm I'm gonna pick them right or you you look it up you look up the espn analysts and and who they all pick to to go far in their brackets or to make that first round upset and it's you know who's that 12 seed that's gonna make that first round upset who's that 11 seed that can maybe make the sweet 16 uh or you know or or a 13 or a 14 seed that that is probably a little little bit more underrated again nothing really happened there um which i think is is interesting because again part of the fun is, is is picking the upsets correctly and really nobody was able to do that maybe besides Furman, right but even then it's kind of like you know not many people pick firm especially around here because we live in virginia and everybody's you know huge virginia fans so so that was that was definitely not in anybody's mind um but but i think that again the, the coolest part about this it was especially, you know, this past weekend and was the history of never before has a 15 seed and a 16 seed won in the same March Madness tournament. Never before has, uh, well, a 15 seed has now reached the Sweet 16 for the third year in a row. It had only ever happened those three other times, right? So, uh, well, Florida goes Gulf Coast back in 2013 was the first to ever do it. It didn't happen again until 2019. Uh, and now it's, well, 2020. Now it's happened 2020, 2021, 2022. Well, Okay, the 2020 tournament didn't happen, but it was 2021, 2022, 2023 now. Um, and, and so that's just, again, remarkable, remarkable stuff there. Um, so obviously, yes, there's a lot to get into, but I think I kind of just wanted to echo Hayden's point as to th- there weren't really that many upsets and especially the ones that usually come through. You remember Murray State beating Marquette as a 12 seed, right? You you always remember those those kind of ones that 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 you can kind of point out being like, you know, this is probably going to happen. I think Liberty beat Mississippi State a couple of years ago. That was like everybody was like, yeah, this is going to happen, you know. But the ones that we had this year, Kent State, Drake, uh, Oral Roberts, you had VCU over St. Mary. Like nothing of that really came came through. Um, so it's, it's very much so a like, hey, if you just picked a bunch of the higher seeds for your first round, you're kind of sitting pretty in your bracket tournament. Now, obviously if you had Aaron Drono or, or Purdue winning the championship, you're not right. But, but I think that, you know, that was kind of the overall sentiment, especially for the first round was not a lot of those kind of trendy, you know, 12, five, 13, four, uh, even six, 11 upsets happened. It was really chalk for the first round, which I thought was pretty cool, especially since, you know, I mean, for the most part, people tend to pick the higher seeds. So we did have a lot of people because, you know, me and Hayden, I kind of have our family and friends uh, bracket pool. And, and a lot of the people got a lot of the first round games, right? Because it was kind of just like, hey, I'm going to pick the higher seed, right? And that worked for a lot of it. Obviously not if you had, like I said, if you had, you know, some one of those higher seeds going going super far as in, you know, the Kansas and, and Purdue's of the world uh, and, and Arizona. But, but yeah, overall, it was, it was just an interesting kind of dichotomy of you had history being made with the amount of the, the, the magnitude of the upsets being such a such a such a difference in the seed line, but not as much in the amount of the double digit seeds and the underdogs that were winning. Yeah, that's exactly right. I I think that's a perfect overview of kind of where where we were at with upsets this year. Um, of course, like Matt said, if if you were one of those people that kind of just went with the higher seeds, if you typically do that, your bracket typically doesn't bode that well in the first round. It's usually kind of in the middle of the pack there. 
because um, usually there's if you're in a pool with other people, there's usually people that pick a lot of upsets and then there's people that pick no upsets and there's p- people that pick like, you know, three, maybe three or four in the first round, if that. And those people that did that, like I, I saw there was a couple of people in the in the pool that Matt mentioned that my, Matt and I are in. There was a couple of people that picked like I think there was one person that picked two upsets and one of them was Pitt over Iowa State. And another one, I, I think the other one like lost or something like that. But they I mean, they basically got like almost every single game. Right. Except for obviously the Princeton over Arizona and, you know, fairly Dickinson over Purdue. But yeah, it's exactly right. So that's how it's looking right now. But if you if you look more into the later parts, like the later rounds, those who pick the higher seeds just to move on throughout the whole tournament, those people do not have enough and do not have a lot of points left. And so that's kind of the that's that's the problem is that they run into later on in the tournament when you pick a team like Marquette to go really far. You pick a team like Arizona to go really far. They're out of the tournament by now. If you had them in your final four or even your championship, you don't have a lot of points left at all. And so you're you're giving those points up to other people who picked some of the favorites, but also some of the upsets. And so that's kind of that's where Matt and I are, are at right now. Not to strut our stuff or anything, but I think right now in our pool with 21 total people that that's a $20 buy-in for each person. We actually both, I think we have number one and number two in terms of like the most points left that, that each of our entries have um, out of, out of all those 21 people, but we're not really anywhere near the top. I think Matt's pretty, I think Matt's in like fifth or something like that. He's tied for fifth or something like that, but I'm down in 17th, I think tied for 17th, but I have the second most amount of points left. So um, we'll kind of see how that, where that goes, but just to get into the actual discussion of what happened right now. Let's do it. So the first thing that I'm going to talk about a little bit is the is the UVA loss against Furman. And it's because I go to UVA and I experienced that firsthand. I, I was watching the game, obviously. Um, it was on Thursday. It was the second game that was that started and the second game that that was played. And so it was kind of just the, the tournament was fresh in everybody's mind. I think that a lot of people saw this loss um, and it was it, it was a tough one to go through, at least for UVA students and obviously the UVA team. Um, but the first thing I want to say is like, and this happens a lot with basically any sport that you find, but especially losses in the tournament or losses in big sporting events. The whole school basically, like right after we lost, almost the whole entire school started posting stuff on social media, like bashing Kihei, Kihei Clark for the pass that he made saying, you know, oh, he's a fifth year guy. He should be, he has to know not to do that kind of thing. But you can't, first of all, you can't blame that loss on just Kihei Clark's mistake. Obviously, yes, it was a mistake. It was a pretty big mistake. And he just kind of has to bite the bullet on that one. It sucks. And he made the mistake, but who really, I mean, you you can't just blame him for that loss. Furman shot the lights out. Um, I think they were, I mean, coming into the game, they were known as one of the best teams inside the arc and i'm they had like 10 threes or something like that they went like 10 for 22 from the from the three-point line which is a crazy clip um especially a team against a team like uva who they do guard the interior well but they tend to start guarding the the exterior well as well um but i think uva had like two or three threes the whole game so you're never going to win a game by having two threes against another team's 10 threes um so that's definitely what led to the loss um, and then obviously that final shot by, I don't, I don't even know his name, but that final shot that Furman made from the corner there off of the, the Kihei Clark pass, that was, that was crazy as well. I mean, that was, you can't even call that lucky. That was pure skill. He was like 
way behind the line, just got the pass, popped in and and made it. I mean, that's that's like pure March Madness upset right there. That that is like if you were gonna draw up a March Madness upset, that's exactly what you what you would draw up, I feel like. So um, yeah, I mean it, it's sad for UVA, but I think for all those people that were criticizing Kihei so much and I, I'm a little bit guilty of it too. Me and my friends were watching the game. And when Kihei Clark made that pass, we, we all just started yelling at the TV, like, dude, what are you doing? What are you doing? And then, and then Furman made the shot and we all like went crazy. Cause we're fans of the game. And we were like, Oh my gosh, that's crazy. Like what a, what a crazy shot to, you know, go up by one, basically win the game with two seconds left. And then we realized that it was against UVA and we were like, dude, dang it, this sucks. But, um, but you can't blame a guy like, like Kihei Clark solely for that loss. I think that our team got out coached in the second half too. It was just kind of a whole, whole shebang, but um, that's the one that I wanted to kind of touch up on. I know Matt has some stats about Purdue, which is kind of the one that you guys are waiting for. There's also some stats about Princeton and Arizona. So we'll get into those, but I'm, I'm curious to know what Matt thinks about the UVA loss, or if he just wants to move right into Purdue, we can do that. No, of course I got to get my thoughts. Um, as many of you know, I'm also a UVA grad. Um, I was there for the worst times in the history of the program, as well as the best times in the history of the program. So I was there. I was a first year freshman when uh, UVA lost to UMBC as the number one overall seed in the tournament. The first time in the history of the tournament that a number one seed has ever lost to a 16 seed. Not only did that happen, did all of that happen, but we lost by 20 points. <laughs> so uh, that was about as bad as you could get. Um, I just remember it was yeah I mean it was like what Hayden was explaining about like you it's kind of doesn't seem real except that was times a million because it's the first time it's it's history it's quite literally the biggest upset in the history of the tournament we're gonna make an argument for why that is not the case anymore but to keep on to this year's um yeah obviously it, it sucked not this year's but few years ago, the UMBC loss sucked, but guess what happened next year? We came back and won the championship, right? And that's kind of the only thing that you can possibly do to rectify the 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 magnitude of, of, of what just occurred and, and how bad that loss was. This year, kind of the same deal right now. And, and this is kind of what's being thrown around now is like, well, you know, Virginia as a team, the way that they play, being slow, playing the pack line defense, essentially the, the goal of, of what UVA basketball is and, and kind of this pack line defense mentality is to maximize the efficiency of the possessions in the game for yourself and then play amazing defense so that you can't allow or so that you don't allow the opposing team to maximize their efficiency on their possessions. Um, the the one thing that can beat a defense like that and, and the style of play is making your shots, right? And, and that's exactly what UMBC did. I think they shot 65% uh, in that game. And, 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 and so you're not in really any game that a team shoots that well from the field, you're not going to win that game. He, me and Hayden were at a, at a string of texts this entire weekend, basically just talking about the craziness and the variance of these teams shooting. I think Iowa State and their loss to Pittsburgh, which again was one of the only upsets of the weekend. Iowa State shot 23%. And, and it's like, you're never going to win a game if you shoot that badly. And there's nights when Iowa State has shot 60% from the field, you know, this this very season. So it's not either like, you know, that's a that's a trending thing, like, you know, that that, that type of team is going to do that. And so, like I said, the only thing that can beat a team like UVA is is, is great shooting. And that's what Furman had going. And we mentioned that on the podcast too. You know, we, we came on here and we said, hey, we're going to pick UVA. But if, if you want to pick Furman, we get it because – the only way to beat UVA is, is to just make your shots. And Furman is the best two point shooting team in the tournament that was, that made the tournament this year. So you kind of have those contrasting styles and it was, well, what's going to, what's going to win out. Right. And it looked for the entire game. Like it was going to be UVA that won out. They were up by five at halftime. They were up by 12 points, but I think eight 
six minutes left, something like that. And then Furman just kind of got hot and, and they went on a run. To kind of, you know, add to the Kihei Clark side of things, um, he famously, he made the, probably the best pass in NCAA tournament history in that um, they were in the Elite Eight game against Purdue the year that won, uh, 2019, when NBA, when UVA won the championship. Uh, they were down by three. Um, Kihei Clark gets an inbound. He he basically does like a like a no-look full length of the court pass to Mamadi Diakite. He hits the three to send it to overtime against Purdue in the Elite Eight. UVA obviously goes on to win that game uh, and then obviously magically run to the championship and win that game in overtime as well. Uh, but so that was kind of the ironic part of this and, and kind of the, 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 the tragic storyline was that Kihei Clark probably has one of the best passes in the tournament history. And now ends his run and ends UVA's run in this tournament with one of the worst passes in, in, in NCAA history. There's a lot of theories about what was going on. I think that, you know, a couple things, obviously he kind of dribbled into a trap. I think he probably could have dribbled out of it. Obviously he's a five, nine point guard. He can dribble his way out of things. Um, he, they had a timeout left. He could have called timeout. He said in the post-game press conference that he knew that they had a timeout. He just couldn't find a ref. And so him, you know, kind of trying to do a T uh, to call timeout, when there's no refs around, is just going to basically give the ball to the other team right there. Uh, and then I think that, you know, it's probably gets in your head that, Hey, there's only a couple seconds left. If I can throw this vertically into the air and have it hang there for, for five or six seconds, they won't have enough time to get a pass off and, and, and make a, and even shoot the three much less have a chance to make it. A lot of stuff's going through his head. I think that was probably all kind of, you know, all of that was, was going on at one time. So you can't really blame the kid for, for, you know, for what he did. Um, obviously it, it wasn't the smartest basketball play, but the hiding size 2020 and it's always going to be, uh, and, and two, like you have to have a lot of things go right in order for you to lose that game. If you're Kihei Clark in that position, you're like, all right, there's eight seconds left. I can launch the ball. Not only do I have to launch the ball and it has to go directly into the hands of a Furman player, but that Furman player now has to pass it to an open other firm another firm player on his team who's open who's beyond the three-point line who has a shot to actually make this there well has a has a chance to make the shot takes a shot and actually does i think they said that on the broadcast the guy who pete piggies i think is his name it was a little hard to say um but he he was shooting i think he was like one for ten the entire day he was shooting like 20 something percent from the three-point line all season um so it was very statistically anomalous that even it you know he even made the shot to begin with uh but i think again it's a great story right like it's a it's a it's a team in Furman who I don't think has made the turn. The last time they made the tournament was I think 1975 or something like that. I I, I read the stat somewhere that the last time that Furman was in the tournament there were only 25 teams in the tournament. Now it's obviously 64 and and they haven't been there anywhere close to here in a long time. And then obviously went on to lose pretty badly to San Diego State, um, who who actually did what UVA should have done in terms of kind of you know really suffocating defense in that game. But obviously again, shout out to Furman. I think that's that's what should come of this is not you know not trashing on UVA and and, and the way that they kind of have choked. Um, but but I think praising Furman is probably the best the best way to go. Now we're going to move to Purdue. Um, obviously kind of got UVA out of the way because both of us go there or Hayden goes there. I went there. Um, and, and two, because the Purdue loss is going to kind of tie into uh, something, obviously, with kind of the UVA uh, UVA related history here. Obviously, Purdue lost to Fairleigh Dickinson, who was also a 16 seed. So that was a 16 seed that beat a one seed. That was the second time that that's ever happened in NCAA history. The first time was obviously UMBC beating Virginia in 2018. It's it's so funny looking back because again I you know I've consumed all the media I've listened to podcasts I've read articles even since all this stuff came out and really the the, the providing or the, the the prevailing narrative is that this didn't even feel like that like it was 
not going to happen. Like it's one of those things where we come into the tournament being like Purdue is very susceptible. They're very beatable. The only reason that they've won all their games this year is because Zach Eady has basically gotten foul called on him every single possession that he gets the ball. And when he does get the ball, he just shoots it. And, and it kind of goes back to that regular season theory of like, when you're the Bucks and you have Giannis, you're going to win all your regular season games because the Wizards on a Tuesday night at home don't really care about guarding Giannis that much. The same goes for Zach Eady and Purdue. I think it's the exact same theory where if you're Rutgers, you know, obviously, well, I guess that's a bad example because Rutgers is the only team to beat Purdue at home this year. <laughs> but, you know, if you're Iowa, you know, and you're playing at home and, and, and Purdue comes into your barn and you're like, all right, you got it, man. Like, it's that's all right. It's fine. Um, then, then you're going to lose to Purdue in the regular season. But it's like you can tell like their guard play was horrible. They start two two troop freshman guards, Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer. Now you tell me, I, I wasn't going to make this, you know, into guess the skin color of the guys that I'm talking about, but just by the names, Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer, you tell me what, what type of, what type of true freshman point guards you think they are. They were great all year. They played. Okay. They made good. They made the three point, you know, they shot the three point ball. Well, but in the NCAA tournament, you need guard play. You need backcourt play. And if you're starting two freshman, two true freshman uh, point guards, that's not going to happen. Purdue in this game, Zach Eady didn't take a shot after the 12 minute mark in the second half. So in the last 12 minutes of the game, your best player, the player of the year in college basketball does not take a shot. What are we doing? People, they didn't take a two point shot for after six minute mark in the second, second half. So in the last six minutes of the game, Purdue didn't take a, a, a two point shot, which is basically how they made their made their money all year. Um, just, just again, one of those crazy things where you're, you know, when you're this high of a seed, when you're this big of an up or uh, big of a favorite and, and, and you kind of get on the ropes you know, your butt starts to get a little tight. Your, your, your nerves start to get a little up there. You're a little anxious. And, and, and you could see that that's exactly what happened with this Purdue team. Uh, just, just, just crazy stuff um, all around. Hayden, I'll let you kind of give your thoughts on the Purdue game here. And then I'll give the argument for why this is actually the biggest upset in the tournament history. Yeah. Well, I, I don't exactly know, Matt, are you going to give stats for, for why it's the it's the biggest upset in terms of kind of more, more talking about like, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it's going to be more, bit more focused on like how Fairleigh Dickinson even got here and shouldn't have been here in the first place and all that stuff. So you can, I mean, just go ahead with you, what you have and I'll, I'll follow up with whatever you don't. Okay. Cause I, I don't really want to steal your fire, but I just, I just found some stats or number stats. So hopefully they're not the same as yours, but um, I, yeah, I was the same way. I didn't even watch this game because again, I was hanging out with my friends and we were, doing other stuff. I think we had it on in the background for a little bit of time, but I wasn't really watching it. And I had no idea what to say when I saw it. Um, I, it didn't really sink in until later on in the night when I was like, dude, when I looked at my phone more and I was looking at all the games that had happened and I was like, dude, oh my gosh, they actually lost to Fairleigh Dickinson. This is, you know, we're not the only one anymore. And again, it's, it's maybe a little bit more significant to Matt and I and other people, other kids that go to UVA, that's literally all we've been talking about is like, we're not the only one anymore. This finally takes the, the weight off of our shoulders. It also took the weight off of our shoulders for being the first big upset in the tournament. Um, you know, nobody really looks to the Furman over UVA win now as being a, a crazy upset this tournament because everybody looks to either the Princeton over Arizona or the Fairleigh Dickinson over Purdue game. But yeah, I mean, this was, I, I think this was probably the most perfect display of a team that just shoots well and a team that gets hot shooting is able to beat anybody in the tournament. And so that's, this is, this is like the epitome of how unpredictable the tournament is. 
and again, it's it's like a 16 over one is almost never going to happen. But now that it has happened, it's happened, uh, what, twice over the past like five years. And it, it hadn't happened before that. I think 16 seeds are now like 149 to two and two against um, against 16 seeds. So, yeah, I mean, it's it, this was just a, a crazy loss for for Purdue. Um but the the stats that I did want to give on fairly Dickinson, and this also contributes to what Matt Matt's theory about um, fairly Dickinson over Purdue being the biggest upset in tournament history, even worse than the UMBC over UVA upset. Fairly Dickinson coming into this tournament, they were the least experienced team. Um, so on average, their five starters had 0.62 seasons of experience. On a, they all of them had basically all of them on average, they had less than a year worth of experience. They were also the shortest team coming into this game. They 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 average under six two. So like all five of their starters, or maybe it's all their players combined, the average height of all those players is under six foot two. And if you think about it, they're going up against Purdue, who has the tallest guy in all of college basketball, in Zach Eady. So it's like. Going into this game, that was an argument for Purdue. It was like, there's no way they get upset by Fairleigh Dickinson. Memphis or FAU is a whole different topic, which I, I know that a lot of people had Memphis beating Purdue in the second round, which if you did, you might be even happier that uh, that Fairleigh Dickinson beat Purdue because then, I mean, FAU made it to the second rounds in Memphis, didn't even have a chance. But the fact that they had the smallest team and the least experience out of any other team coming into this tournament, and they were able to beat Purdue, a one seed, they were able to pull off an, an upset that's only been done once one other time in history um it just it doesn't make any sense it's just like i don't know it's it's like one of those things that is actually one in a million or one in a billion and we just experienced it so that's those are my stats for for why or for the support of your argument matt that it's um actually the worst upset in tournament history because i agree well and and again I mean, everything in the world is becoming gambling related at this point. And, and I think that probably numerically speaking, this is the easiest stat to point to is the fact that UMBC was a 20 and a half point underdog to UVA when they won uh, their tournament game. And Purdue was up to, I think, 23 and a half. It was definitely at least 23, uh, probably 23 and a half. So statistically, statistically, money line was higher. The spread was higher. It was a bigger, Purdue was a bigger favorite to win this game. Therefore, Fairly Dickinson was a bigger underdog than UMBC was, statistically speaking, according to the spread. But even two, I went back and I looked at the Ken Palm numbers. Okay, and now if you don't, if you're not sure, and we're going to probably talk about Ken Palm a lot in this episode. So if you're not familiar, um, KenPalm.com, like literally K-E-N-P-O-M, again, that guy named Ken Pomeroy, I think he went to Stanford or something. He's a huge analytics guy, developed a website that basically just ranks the teams. uh, And his rankings are regarded as probably the best inclusivity of of all the rankings that there are because the AP sucks because it's basically people who don't watch basketball who rank the teams. The net sucks because it's the NCAA being like, we need our own way to rank the teams. That makes no sense with quad wins and, and, and all that, and all that crap. Uh, Ken, Ken Palm is, is, is probably the best, true ranking of all the teams it, take, it takes into consideration your offensive efficiency your defensive efficiency takes in consideration your your strength to schedule your luck like luck is actually a rating on on the ken palm uh factor there so the ken palm and, and so the ken palm ranking for umbc when when they beat virginia i think was 180th in the country and again there's 300 well at the time the umbc won, i think there was about 350 teams in college in division one college basketball and now this year there's 363 teams uh so we've kind of gotten gotten a little bit more there but but umbc was i think somewhere around the 180 so they 
were about halfway down in terms of like, you know, they were kind of the halfway worst uh, team or halfway best team in all the college basketball. Fairleigh Dickinson this year was 288th. I mean, think about that. They are in the lower past 75 percentile of, of worst teams in college basketball um so that just goes to show that too that you know statistically speaking like they they, they didn't they didn't really they didn't really have it right they, they 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 shouldn't have been able to even compete in this game Hayden kind of kind of threw that out there about the height statistic was one, something I was going to mention too um they were the shortest team in the in the country in the country not even in the tournament so that's the thing too is they were shortest team in the country out of all 363 teams, a lot of these stats you're going to hear are, oh, they're you know the best at like like Furman, best two point shooting team in the tournament. Penn State was the best shoot three point shooting team. Uh, actually, Penn State was the best three point shooting team in the country, I think too. But either way, a lot of these stats you're going to hear are are, are best you know statistically whatever in in the tournament in the tournament. But this is the country that the shortest team in the country going up against a team who has Zach Eady, who's the tallest player in the country and the best player in the country. He's going to win the NCAA Player of the Year. So it's like that just should never happen. Right. Um, and I think the craziest part about all this, and this is the one that I'm going to end on here is the fact that UMBC, when they played UVA, they won their conference tournament and they got into the conference or they got into the Mar- in, into March madness because they won their conference. They won their, con- I think at the conference in the regular season, they also won the conference championship uh, conference tournament championship. So they earned their right to, uh, to be in March madness. And because of that, they didn't have to win a play-in game. All right. Fairly Dickinson who was in a play-in game. So they played Texas Southern to to even have a chance to play in this game against Purdue. Okay, so they could have lost to Texas Southern, not even had a chance to play in this game. They had they won a play in game. They had to win the play in game. They won the play in game. They got into March Madness because they won the play in game. And here's the craziest stat of all. Okay, and I mentioned this on the last episode too. So if you, I mean, Hayden's gonna know it when he hears it. But Fairleigh Dickinson technically didn't even qualify for the tournament, and that's because they didn't win their conference tournament. They didn't win their regular season tournament or the regular season in their conference. They didn't win their conference tournament. That was a school called Merrimack. Now, Merrimack was unable to qualify for the tournament. They were ineligible because they are too closely removed from moving up to from division two, which I guess they were two years ago or whatever. You have to have three years of, well, it's basically three years of ineligibility after you move from division two to division one, where you can't be in the NCAA tournament. I think that's a completely I, I don't get it. That's just a dumb rule. Everyone thinks it is. I don't know why they still keep it in there. Um, they're going to, ha- I, I really hope they change it at some point. I guess this is an argument for not changing it because I don't know if Merrimack would have beaten Purdue, but <laughs> at this point, who knows, right? Um, and so that's the crazy part of all of this is that Fairleigh Dickinson came in second in the regular season and in, in they're the, from the Northeast Conference. They came in the second place to Merrimack. They played Merrimack in the championship game of the conference tournament, the Northeast Conference tournament. They lost that game to Merrimack, and therefore Merrimack should have deserved to be in the tournament over Fairleigh Dickinson. But because Merrimack has that ineligibility rule, Fairleigh Dickinson automatically qualified. Now they qualified again. They didn't win the conference. They didn't make it. They're the only team in the conference in the tournament this year that did not win their conference to you know, to be eligible for you know for for a bid in march madness and here they are right they want to play in game they beat texas southern they come into into the game against purdue and they win that game so i think that all of that considered the ken palm rankings and all the the shortest versus tallest the the point spread even right i think all of that kind of we can now conclude that this is probably the biggest upset in tournament history and that can kind of replace now not only is it obviously the more recent 16 seed that beat a one seed uh which can kind of supplant uva's position there but it's also i think just by the by the numbers right statistically the point spread the ken palm ratings the fact that fairly dickinson shouldn't have even qualified for the tournament all of that goes into shade to say that i think that this is probably historically the biggest upset in the history of the ncaa tournament 
That's a great argument, Matt. Now, moving on to the other upsets that happened, we've also got Arizona and Kansas that lost to Kansas lost in the second round to Arkansas. And then Arizona obviously lost in the first round to Princeton, who is still in the tournament. Like Matt said, this is the third time in the past three years. Like, or yeah, this is the third straight year that a, that a 15 seed has made the Sweet 16, which is amazing. That's what it's exactly what we love to see. But one thing I wanted to point out here, and I actually saw this on Instagram, it's ESPN posted it. So if you guys follow ESPN on Instagram, you've probably seen this. But if you've noticed at this point in the Sweet 16, uh, there is no Duke, there's no UNC, there's no Kansas, and there's no Kentucky. So basically the four biggest blue bloods have all been either knocked out or, yeah, have all been knocked out by this point in either the first round or the second round of the tournament. Um, And obviously UNC didn't even make it. They didn't. They denied their bid to the NIT tournament, which I thought was like the softest thing ever, which I don't know, whatever they, they, they were saying, let's, we want to get ready for next season. We want to prepare for next season. Yeah. You didn't prepare enough for this season. Like get over it, dude. Jeez. You won the, you got to the championship last year and you, you couldn't even, you couldn't even make the NCAA tournament this year. It's ridiculous. But anyway, four blue bloods, Duke, UNC, Kansas, Kentucky, all of which are not in the, in the sweet 16 this year. Okay. So since the, the Sweet 16 was created in 1975. So that's what, 25 plus 23, 48 years ago? In the past 48 years, only three times ever has this happened where there's been no Duke, UNC, Kansas, or Kentucky in the Sweet 16. And this was the fourth. This year was the fourth year that that happened. So, And I think if you add the, the, the one that I saw too, which is, I mean, it's crazy. It's a crazy stat that Hayden just gave uh, the one. And I saw kind of a different angle of it where um, I think if you add UCLA into that mix, it still has never happened because UCLA is in the sweet 16 this year. Um, and oh, wow. so in those years that it hasn't happened between the four schools that Hayden mentioned, UCLA was kind of picking up for the, uh, picking up the slack for the, for the other big guys. So technically those five school among those five schools have always, at least one of them has been in the sweet 16 of every year of the tournament's history, which is, uh, it, yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah, exactly. True blue bloods. And anybody that says that the blue bloods don't have, you know, don't have what it takes now. I, I don't know. I, I think, I think they'll be all right. Um, we've got, I, I think a perfect example of this. And again, this is not about Kansas and Arizona Two two games, which I actually didn't even watch. So I don't, I'm not going to fake, like I have knowledge on the games. I'll let Matt go into analysis on them. And then we'll move into kind of our picks and what we predicted correctly in the, in the tournament and everything like that. But I think a great example of a team that isn't really a blue blood, but also has had a very long tenured coach and it's showing right now in March madness is, is Michigan state with Tom Izzo, Tom Izzo. I mean, he's, he's known as like Mr. March. I'm pretty sure that's his, his nickname or it's like March Izzo or something like that. But, and I think we've actually gone over that before. I think last year we talked about it, but yeah, historically January, like January, February Izzo is what they say. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. Also March Izzo though, because he's, he's really good in the tournament usually, but Right. For the past couple of years. And I would say even even for like going back, you know, five to seven years, like they just haven't really been that good in the regular season. They've had a couple of good seasons, but Tom Izzo is always a coach that, in my opinion, you should never really bet against, um, in the, at least in the tournament. Obviously, I don't have them winning my my bracket. I also don't have them going to the final four or the elite eight, but they were a seven seed this year. Obviously not really favored to make it past the second round at all. Um, and they ended up doing it. So. I'm going to get into that when I talk about my um, my upset picks that I got right, because that's one of the only ones that I did get right. So I'm going to wait to talk about Courtesy that. Courtesy of me. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, we'll actually talk about that because we'll it's, it was a little bit of a flip flop there. But yeah, I just kind of wanted to go over how good the blue 
blue bloods have been up to this point, but maybe there's a new era of not, not as many blue bloods being as good um, in the tournament. And I, I'm, I'm kind of loving it. You know, we've, we've had so many years where these blue bloods have been super, super good, but we're, we're kind of finally straying away from that a little bit, which is great in my opinion. Yeah. And, and, and just to round that out, I think I, I meant, I definitely mentioned this on, um, at least one of the podcasts last week, but UNC, which is among one of those blue bloods that Hayden just mentioned, uh, they were ranked, they were preseason ranked number one in the AP poll this year, and they didn't make the tournament. That's the first time in the history of the game that has happened. The preseason number one has not made the NCAA tournament. So um, I agree, Hayden, it, it sounds like it's, it's, it's a changing of the guard. It's a shifting of a pair of the paradigm uh, of what we've been used to, especially regarding the blue bloods this year, two teams that aren't, well, one team that is not, well, two teams that aren't blue bloods are Arizona and Princeton. And that was the game uh, that, that was really the, really the second biggest upset uh, of, of this year's tournament. I was kind of watching. I watched more of the second half of this game because it was like kind of close in the first half. And I was like, all right, whatever. Like there's a lot of times when it's, it's kind of close in the first half. And then the, you know, the better team pulls away. Shout out Auburn over uh, Houston. Auburn made four shots in the second half <laughs> at total. And they got outscored by 27 points. So it was looking like they were up by 10 and a half time. They got outscored by 28 in the second half. Uh, so, so rip to, to, to Auburn being at home for their game against Houston, that second round matchup, Houston's moving on. Anyway, Arizona or Arizona Princeton again. It, it was like it was such a bad game. Like I was watching it. I was at dinner. Um, I was more so watching Arkansas Illinois because, as we'll get to later, I was pretty high on Arkansas. Got them correctly over Kansas, uh, but was more so watching that Arkansas game and, and just kind of watching the Purdue or the Princeton game, kind of kind of wind down. And, and it, yeah, it it was just it was just bad all around Arizona is just, a, I think a cursed team, a cursed franchise in the, his, in the, in the March madness uh, annals of history. And, and, and it was funny because I didn't have them going far this year. Um, I had them it, it, on the podcast and we'll go again over this in our next part where we go over our brackets and stuff on the podcast. I gave Arizona out to go to the elite eight. Um, I actually just changed that right before the brackets locked. I changed it to Creighton uh, over Arizona for this exact reason. It, it's they're just, they're just, I just, I feel like I've picked Arizona three out of the last four years to win the championship because I'm always like, yeah, it's a West Coast team. Like, you know, we're so used to these blue bloods, just like me and Hayden were just talking about, right? Like winning the championships all these times. Like I want, I want a West Coast team to win. And I want, you know, Arizona, I feel like they never get any respect and I want them to win. Uh, and it never goes well for me. It really doesn't. I had them winning last year. They lost in the Sweet 16 to, to, to Houston, five-seeded Houston when Arizona was a one seed. I had them winning the championship a couple of years ago uh, when they were a two seed. I forget who they ended up losing to, but it was, again, like a seven seed in the, in the, in the Sweet 16 or something. Like, like, a, like a bad a bad loss uh you know for for them as well so i decided to dig into it i'm like they they have to be cursed there has to be some sort of uh you know bad losing streak here when it comes to arizona and it turns out i was right okay so arizona has now lost to they're the only team well only yeah only school in the history of the ncaa basketball association um to lose to a 15 seed twice now this happened i think the other time they were i don't even know i i and forgive me for not like absolutely memorizing this statistic, but I think they were like a 10 seed or a, or a seven seed. And they were facing off against another 15 seed who had beaten a two seed in like another time. But either way, they lost to two 15 seeds. Now uh, they're now the only team in, in, in the NCAA history uh, to lose to an 11, 12, 13 and no, 11, 12, 13, 14 and 15 seed. Uh, and they 
in that span of like the I think losing to 13, 14, or 15 seeds, they've had five losses, five such losses, uh, which is two more than any other team in NCAA history. So the other, the next, I guess, closest team or whatever, uh, has three losses to teams seeded 13, 14, 15. So that goes to show that Arizona's kind of just cursed. And 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 again, like I said, I was like, dude, I feel like I, like I always pick them to win. I always want them to win. And it's like not only did they not get far, or not only did they not did they not win, but they don't even get far. Like, they don't even get to the final four. And it's true, like they don't because they lose to these crazy uh, underseeded teams this year i saw the writing on the wall and again we say guard play is, is extremely important we're going to talk about it in a little bit too just kind of you know going over the teams that had kind of shaky guard play who aren't in the tournament anymore versus teams who had solid guard play who maybe have been underseeded but but are still around because of their guard play um kirk Kreisa is kind of the main point guard for for arizona he had i think he was I think he was one for seven. He had two points and he had like, and he fouled out like near the end of the game. Um, just bad, like bad stuff. He, he didn't, he had like two assists, I think too, like, like not what you want your port guards to be doing. Um, and, and, and so that kind of, like I said, the writing was on kind of on the wall for Arizona. So I know a lot of people, I think a couple of people in our bracket pool had Arizona winning at all. Uh, so that kind of fell down on the first day. Princeton, I think is probably not kind of one of those like, true Cinderella team like it well yeah I mean they, I don't know I think the way they play like definitely messes with people's minds because you saw them again in their game against Missouri in the second round and beat Missouri by 16 15 16 points or something like that uh so so clearly what they're doing is working um and I think that's really just their the way that their defense is, is pressuring teams are not allowing turnovers on the on the other end um so when you kind of get in these matchups where Arizona had the better athletes Missouri had the better athletes they had scholarship players. Princeton doesn't have scholarship players. Like, are you kidding me? But it's like when you aren't allowing the athletes to do what the athletes are there to do, which is be more athletic than the team that's not athletic, th- then then the game just kind of becomes a complete pickup, right? And, and and you end up seeing what that happened with with Princeton. So I, I love kind of seeing them, uh, you know, work their way into victory there. And, and obviously they're still alive. I mean, they could be they could be in a matchup in, against Alabama for a trip to the Final Four before we're all said and done here. Uh, definitely hope that doesn't happen because I have Creighton in the Elite Eight, but. <laughs> Uh, so that was a, kind of the third big upset. And then the fourth one, just so we can kind of move on here quickly. Uh, it was Kansas over Arkansas, or it was Arkansas over Kansas. Uh, preview or 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 flash forward illusion thing to what our next segment is going to be. Like I said, I changed. I had Kansas in the final four uh, and on my picks in the podcast. Hayden had UConn in the final four. I ended up changing my pick to UConn in the final four. But not only did I have UConn not beating Kansas, I had UConn beating Arkansas to get to the Elite Eight. Um, I changed my pick. I, I said, you know what? I'm going out on the limb here. I'm going to do it. I'm going to pick Arkansas to beat Kansas. And I saw that again, because I, I, it's like, sometimes I can see these things. Like I, I, I one year Villanova was a one seed in Wisconsin or no, NC State was a two, was a eight seed. I think it was the in, the year in between when Villanova won their championships. I think they won in, in, uh, in 2014, 2016. And then 2015 year, they were a one seed. I picked NC State as, a, as an eight seed to beat that one seed. I picked UNC last year to beat Baylor uh, as an eight over one matchup. So sometimes I can just feel these things and see them out. This year was definitely one of those times I was like, I, I'm, I'm going to do it. Like, screw it. I, I might just get this right. And I did. Um, Arkansas wasn't winning really any of that game. <laughs> Kansas was was pretty much dominating the entire time. Uh, but the, the reasoning behind this was, and the, and the reason I think that Arkansas was able to win was obviously number one, Bill Self, who's the who's the Kansas coach, and he's a legendary coach in college basketball. Um, he's dealing with a, some sort of heart condition that I think popped up a couple years ago and, and prevented him from coaching either. It was some sports sort of spin during the regular season. Um, obviously, last year, he was great. They won the championship, got that whole thing done. Uh, but then this year, right as the big 12 tournament was, was, was wrapping up 
again, he, it, it kind of popped up again. He was in the, even in out of the hospital. He's just like, not like he's been with the team, like in the locker room, like before the games, but he's not able to go out there and coach, I think, because just, and obviously, I mean, it's a, it's a huge, you know, adrenaline rush and, and, and you're, you're really out there. You're, you're sweating, you're, you're everything. And so I think it's just too much on him to, to be out there coaching. He, they missed him in the big 12 championship game against Texas. And if you remember Texas won that game by 20 points and it was kind of like, wait, what? Like Kansas just, like has been dominating the big 12 all year and they lose to Texas in the big 12 championship game. Well, they didn't have bill self. And that kind of sparked some interest in me. I'm like, all right, well, they got a one seed. They're obviously going to beat Howard in the first round, but they might not, if they don't have bill self, like that might cause some problems for them. And it's like, who are they going to face up with? Okay. They're going to face up with either Illinois who's been horrible all year or Arkansas, Arkansas. If you don't know, well, now you probably do because you've at least read or, or, or heard or, or something like that. They have three lottery picks on that Arkansas team. You wouldn't know it because they didn't play like it all year. They were preseason top 10. They weren't able to pull it together, but Nick Smith is probably going to be a top five pick in this year's NBA draft. And guess what? He had zero points in that game against Kansas this weekend. Uh, They basically benched him because he was playing so badly, but Anthony Black, their point guard, he's going to be, I think a top 15 pick probably. Um, And then Ricky Council, the fourth is is also going to be drafted in the NBA. So it's one of those weird, weird situations where Arkansas had basically more NBA talent than Kansas did and Kansas is without their legendary head coach who led them to a championship last year that was kind of it I was like I can see this happening I can see Arkansas winning this game now obviously right they were down by 10 points for pretty much the entire game and then it kind of they kind of just started to make shots they kind of started to defend well at the end of that game and they kind of just ended up pulling it out so great call by me I'm going to take the credit for it I'm going to take all the credit for it obviously you know I didn't say it on the podcast and, and it is what it is, but Hayden can confirm he's, he's obviously, he was my brother. So he wouldn't want to give me any credit for this. And he can tell you that in my bracket pool, I actually have Arkansas selected uh, over Kansas there. So, but yeah, that was just kind of a weird, almost like you could see it happening. I wasn't surprised that Arkansas beat Kansas. I obviously picked them, but I wasn't surprised just because of the sheer amount of talent that Arkansas had. And a lot of times in these tournament games, man, like, you're not in in the in the you're not bogged down in the middle of a regular season when you're you know it's late January and you got a you got a Thursday game followed up by a, a, a trip to, to to Albuquerque, New Mexico. You're not going through that. It's March. It's the it, it, this is your last game. Whatever game you play, you got to win it or else you're done. And you got to make a name for yourself or you don't. And 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 so usually in those circumstances, talent sometimes wins out. And that athleticism of Arkansas and those those NBA picks, I think are. are like I said, I thought we're really going to make a difference in this game, especially with Bill self, not coaching. And that, that really proved to be true. So um, crazy upsets, obviously Arizona, like I said, they're just kind of a cursed history here. Uh, and Oh, one more thing about Arizona, Tommy Lloyd, who's their head coach. He was an assistant under Mark few, who's the Gonzaga head coach, which shout out to Gonzaga has now made eight straight sweet 16s, despite all the crap that we give them about, you know, not being able to advance in the tournament and never really being able to win. They've been in the championship game two out of the last four years. They've been in, I think, two of the final fours off of those, both of those years. And they've been in eight straight sweet 16. So as much as they don't really win a championship, they still get far enough in March Madness, which I think is a good enough, a good enough way to do it. But anyway, Tommy Lloyd, who's the coach of Arizona was under Mark few for all those years. I mean, Lloyd now has been in Arizona for these past two years. Arizona was a one seed last year. They were a two seed this year. He, Tommy Lloyd, I think broke the record for the most wins, uh, inclusive regular season and conference tournament, most wins in NCAA basketball history for a coach in his first two years at a program. And guess what it's netted him? A sweet 16 last year where he lost to a five seed in Houston. And then this year where he lost in the first round to a 15 seed Princeton team. So goes to show you never really can predict these upsets, um, but it, but it definitely does happen except for when I predicted Arkansas, that was, that was a really good call by me. Yeah, I, I agree. I'll give you credit for it. Also, we did mention it in our 
it was either in our full bracket episode or our selection Sunday episode, but Arkansas has made the elite eight the past two years and they have a chance to do so this year. Again, um, I don't know if making the elite eight three years in a row is, is somewhere close to a record, at least of recently, probably. Cause I, I feel like I can't really think of that many teams that have made the elite eight three years in a row. Houston's also going for its third straight, I think, because they were in the final four two years ago, remember as a two seed and they made the elite eight last year and lost to Villanova, uh, the final four. So, yeah. and, and Houston's a one seed. They're also going, going to play Miami, but um, I guess we, we kind of have two teams right now that are going for their, that are in their third straight sweet 16 and going for their third straight lead eight. Yeah. But not to mention, I mean, they have a lot of, they have a lot of experience over the past couple of years in the tournament. So experience, recent experience, at least in the tournament usually bodes well for a team. And Matt saw that and I didn't. So kudos to Matt, but like Matt said, we're going to kind of go over, what we picked wrong, um, the advice that we gave to people that was that was a little bit wrong. Uh, I'm going to start out by just saying that my Baylor and Iowa State picks did not do well at all. I had both Baylor and Iowa State going to the Elite Eight. I Obviously, Iowa State was more of a reach, more of a stretch. Um, I just saw Iowa State and they had one of the best defenses in the country, if not the best defense in the country. Like Matt said, they they scored. I mean, they shot 23% from the field in their game against Pitt. And you're never going to win a game like that, especially a tournament game like that. Um, Pitt is, I think Pitt was a very mid team this year. They had a pretty good run um, to be to like be in the front pack of the ACC towards the end of the season. I think it was UVA and Miami ended up tying to win the like the regular season part of the ACC. And then obviously, um, obviously Duke won the ACC championship and they're also out of the tournament right now. But, um, and so Miami is the only one left out of, out of those three teams still in the tournament. But, um, but I, yeah, I just thought that Pitt was not that good. I saw Iowa state who had a pretty easy run. I, I was assuming that, that Texas um, either Texas or Xavier were going to get upset in the first round of the, or the second round. And that, Iowa State was going to have a pretty easy road to the um, to the Elite Eight, or at least one of the easiest roads for a six seed to get to the Elite Eight. I wanted to pick an upset in this region because, I, like I said, I I just saw I saw Houston at the top of this region, and then everybody else was a little bit shaky, in my opinion. Um, again, Penn State and Texas A and M that game, I cannot stress enough how much I thought that either of those teams could beat Texas, and so that's kind of why I had Iowa State going to the Elite Eight, why I had them going so far, and they couldn't even get past Pitt. If they got past Pitt, who knows what they could have done, especially against a team like Xavier. I, that would have been a really good game to watch, I think. Um, but Xavier played their butts off against Pitt. I mean, they looked really, really good against Pitt. So that's going to be interesting to see how they do against Texas coming up this um, this coming weekend. And then Baylor on the other side of the bracket, um, on, you know, in, in the region right next to the region that Iowa State was in. They, they have really good guards. Uh, they have... Keontae George, I'm pretty sure, who's a freshman. Or I think it, I think he's a true freshman. And then Adam Flagler, who is at this point either a junior or a senior, I think. Um, but he played on the he played on the championship team when Baylor won the championship. And so I thought between those two guys, we always say that backcourt is really really important in the, in the tournament. And I thought that between those two guys, Baylor would be able to get it done. Um, their front court is a little bit it's it's not as good as it was in the past. They had that one huge dude um, that got like. 15 boards a game in the, on that championship team back in 2019, but, and they don't, they don't have that this year, but I still thought that their backcourt would be able to do it. Um, again, they, they had one of the best backcourts in the country and that's usually what you need to win games in March. And 
They ended up only getting to the round of 32 and then lost to Creighton. I, I underestimated Creighton too. I thought Creighton was a pretty good team going into the Big East tournament and kind of even coming out of the Big East tournament. But when I saw who they were up against, the Baylors and the Arizonas, like I, I just didn't really think that Creighton would be able to get it done. But here they are sitting in the Sweet 16 and Baylor's not. So um, those were kind of my two big losses of the tournament. I'm still pretty proud of myself because I have three out of my four Final Four teams still alive. So I have Houston, UConn, and Alabama all still alive. My other Final Four team is Duke. That's another team. That's kind of the next game I was going to get into. That's another team that I think should still be in this tournament because of how they played against Tennessee. They really, really beat themselves in this game against Tennessee. And that's exactly why they had early season struggles this year. They had, they, they forced themselves to make turnovers. They don't even really, I mean, Tennessee, yes, their defense played amazing. Their defense, they probably had one of the best defensive games I've ever seen by a college, college basketball team, like actually watching the game. So kudos to Tennessee for that. But I still think that that Duke beat themselves in that game to a point. I, I know that even if they didn't have so many turnovers, they still lost by 13 points. So like Duke still probably would have lost, but I think it would have been by a, a lot less. It would have been a lot closer of a game if Duke would have eliminated at least, you know, four or five of their turnovers, which I think that they definitely could have done. Kyle Filipowski got hurt, I think, early in the game. I mean, dude, this game, if you were watching it, was chippy from the beginning, like I was watching the beginning of this game and I swear the first like six minutes, there was, there was two possible flagrant flagrant fouls in the first two minutes that they had to review. And it's like, dude, how is this happening? Like <laughs> Tennessee came out to play aggressive and that's exactly what they ended up doing. I think it got to Duke um, that eye injury that Kyle Filipowski had that they ended up, I think they ended up like kind of patching up and he was able to come back in the game but that still affects the player for the rest of the game. I mean, it, it, he had like his eye basically split open in the first half of the game. So I think that Duke, again, a team that I think should still be in this tournament, especially because of their recent success. But you could also look at this game and tell me, okay, well, they had to mess up at some point. They couldn't have had 10 straight wins and kept on, you know, with that, with that crazy streak where they were limiting their turnovers as much as possible. They were winning those games. And then, against Tennessee, they had a game that, again, they let a lot of turnovers go and um, that ended up being the doom of them. But I don't know. I think, I think Tennessee coming up here, uh, they have a game against FAU, which is quite possibly the easiest team that you could be playing in this sweet 16, maybe other than Princeton. But um, I think Tennessee now kind of has a cakewalk to the elite eight. I do see Tennessee winning that game, but I think either Michigan state or Kansas state in this in the bottom part of this region, I think both of those teams are going to beat Tennessee. Tennessee, again, they're they're a good team. They've been one of the worst shooting teams all season. Matt was texting me about this kind of while the game was still going on between Duke and Tennessee. And he was saying, he was like, dude, Tennessee's been one of the worst shooting teams all season. And now all of a sudden they're they're shooting pretty well. I think I still think that they're going to struggle with shooting. They just need their their defense to play almost perfect for the rest of the tournament, which I don't really see happening. So yeah, so I don't know. Those are kind of the three teams that I would say I got wrong in this tournament. Um, I do want to kind of pat myself on the back and say that I, I have three, yeah, three different matchups in the sweet 16, which I got right. So like what I mean by that is Alabama, San Diego state. I got that matchup um, right in, in terms of like, like the placement of the sweet 16, Kansas state and Michigan state. I also got right. Um, and then Gonzaga UCLA. I also got right there. So I have three matchup three matchups in the sweet 16 that I, predicted correctly we'll see how it turns out you know in, in terms of which team is going to get to the elite eight from those matchups but 
yes, that's kind of an overview of, of, of where I went wrong in this tournament. I didn't really get much right in terms of like upsets. So I won't even really talk about that again. Michigan state was really only my only upset, but I'm going to talk about them a little bit more as we get into our predictions for the rest of the tournament. So Matt go or have a way at, at talking about your bracket so far. Yeah, well, just disclaimer, like I said, I, I I changed my bracket a lot after we did the podcast. And I think we said on there that we would change it probably. I don't think Aiden make any, made any changes. Um, he, he stuck true to his word. I made a lot of changes, and it was honestly probably for the better, uh, now that I'm just looking back at kind of the ones that I did make. Um, so Hayden mentioned Baylor. He was high on Baylor. I was high on Creighton. I That was one thing I stuck, stuck by the entire time. Um, they were preseason top 10. They had the talent to do it. They have the best starting five, I think, probably in, in the country. Their lack of depth is a problem, and I think that's probably going to end up kind of putting a stop to their run, at least when it comes to hopefully the Elite Eight. Um, I had Arizona over – I had Creighton beating Baylor, which is correct. Um, I had Arizona beating Creighton on the podcast, but I changed that to Creighton beating Arizona. Obviously, Creighton's playing Princeton now, so that's going to be hopefully a pretty easy win for me uh, to get Creighton to the Elite Eight. Um, I I gave out – well – Hayden gave out Drake and Kent State as as first-round upset picks. I gave out Miami and Indiana, and then – I was like, this is not going to happen. There has to be some of these upsets happen. So I actually switched both of them from Miami and India, and I switched to Drake and Kent State, and then I had Kent State beating Drake. Uh, neither of those came true. Despite Drake, oh, my God, this is the probably the second worst. I'm going to get to the worst, like, beat, like, where I was just furious at what happened. Drake was up by eight points with three minutes left, and then Miami just puts on a press and goes on a 16-1 to run and wins that game. And I was like, are you kidding me, dude? Drake had that in the bag. Uh, but either way, nonetheless, didn't happen there. So so kind of kicking myself for not for going with those in my bracket, but obviously gave it out correctly technically on the podcast. Uh, Iowa State, Hayden mentioned, we were both high in Iowa State. The more I thought about it, I had Iowa State in the Sweet 16 losing to Texas. Um, the more I thought about it, I was like, this is not going to happen. Iowa State, like, yeah, their defensive numbers stick out a lot. They're, I think they're overseeded as a six seed. I don't think they're that great of a team. I, and, and the thing is, like, again, does offense beat beat defense because Xavier has one of the best offenses in the country? And I was like, yes, it does. Uh, so I changed I, uh, changed Xavier to beat Iowa State. So I got that correctly uh, done there as well in, in that kind of region there. I'm going to move on to um, the West, which is Kansas's region, which I said, I actually have one game wrong this entire region on my bracket, and it was VCU over St. Mary's. Every single other game I've gotten correct. Um, I got Arkansas to beat Kansas. I got UConn. Uh, I got Gonzaga and I got UCLA to beat their respective opponents as well. So pretty good change, obviously, that I made. Like I said, on the podcast, I completely duped all of you guys because I had Kansas <laughs> moving on to the final four and, and I had them actually losing in the second round, uh, which I got correct. But again, like I said, you know, probably not the best there. Um, I did switch UConn into my final four, though, and, and Hayden gave UConn out on the on the podcast. Uh, the more I thought about it, the more I read, I was like, yep, this, this seems like the, like a good pick. So kudos to Hayden there. Um, like he said, he has three final four teams of uh, still still out there in the wild. I also have three final four teams. I have six elite eight teams still. I don't think, I don't think I've ever even come close to having like four of like half of my elite eight teams still available or still, uh, still remaining after the, after the first round or the first and second round here heading into the sweet 16. Um, but I actually have both. So I have Alabama and Creighton. I have Houston, Texas, and then I have UConn and UCLA um, moving on it, it, all of those to the elite eight. Uh, so, so feeling pretty good. And then I, like I said, Hayden said he had three, three final four teams. I also have three final four teams. We had kind of the same ones. Um, we go, we both give out Duke on the podcast. I ended up changing mine to Marquette. That still didn't matter. And I'll kind of get to that in a second. Cause I gave out Michigan State in the podcast as well. Um, but I have Alabama in the final four. I have Texas and UConn Hayden had Alabama, Houston uh, and UConn. And then each of us have 
a different kind of team winning that game. So he has, well, we both have Alabama winning that game, but then he has um, Houston, obviously in the championship. I have Texas. So um, we still have like, and that, that's another thing that he mentioned at the beginning there was that we have a lot of, a lot of teams le- or a lot of points left kind of to, to, to be had here. So that's a, a good thing at least for now. Um, so yeah, now we're getting into the East region, which is the one that made me the most mad. Obviously, like I said, I, I gave out Michigan state on the podcast. Hayden originally had Marquette beating Michigan state. I made an argument for Michigan state. I'm like, you got to take Michigan state. And then he goes, yeah, you know what? I'm going to take Michigan state. And then I completely just overthought myself. I ended up going with Marquette and I tied them in the final four. Um, And so I gave out Duke to go to the final four in this region on the podcast. I ended up going with Marquette in my final bracket. Neither of those came true. If I was to pick a third team, I probably would have picked Purdue, which is, would have been the worst pick out of all of them because they didn't even win their first round game. At least Marquette and Duke won their first round games. Um, so that, that whole section of the bracket, which is probably screwed up for pretty much everyone, because who would have thought we would have Florida Atlantic, Tennessee, Kansas state and Michigan state vying for uh, positions in the elite eight. The one game that I am still the most mad about, and it's because I could have gotten at least something in this bracket, right. Was Memphis. Oh my God. If you did not watch this Memphis game, it is painful how badly they were screwed. They were winning the entire game. It wasn't like they were never really blowing out Florida Atlantic, but they were winning the entire game pretty handily up until the last you know few seconds here where they're up by one point or that was it one. Yeah, they're up by one point. They're up 65, 64. Uh, they had their point guard, of course, of course, like throw, basically it did a, a Kihei Clark impression, throws it to the other team. Um, and Florida Atlantic is, is and the ball starts bouncing around and whatever. And then Memphis lands on it. The guy has full possession of the ball. He's calling timeout. He, all three of his teammates are calling timeout. All the coaches are calling timeout and the ref comes over there and he gives a jump ball possession arrows, Florida Atlantic. They run a crazy inbounds play and get a layup at the last second to win it. And it's like, what are we doing? Like the, how does the ref miss every single player on Memphis, every single coach calling a timeout to retain possession? They'd get fouled. They'd make free throws. They'd win the game easily. It just it makes me so mad that that happened because, and again, I wouldn't be complaining if Purdue had won and all this would have been for naught, but whatever. I had Memphis beating Purdue in the second round. Hayden also had Memphis beating Purdue in the second round. A lot of other people had Purdue or Memphis beating Purdue in the second round. And the fact that Purdue became the second team ever or the fact that Purdue ended up having this the single worst loss in the tur- in NCAA tournament history would have made it so much easier for Memphis to move on to the Sweet 16 and our and our, our pick to be correct. Now, it wouldn't have been as crazy as me picking Arkansas to beat Kansas because you actually did have that eight seed beating the one seed. But the fact that you have an eight seed moving on to the Sweet 16, that never really happens. And it was given to you on a silver platter uh, by Fairleigh Dickinson here. And Memphis, well, not even not Memphis, the refs couldn't give uh, Memphis the correct the, the win like they were supposed to have. So that really kind of grinded my gears, especially because of that was like a, a hot take that really should have been true. Like Florida Atlantic beat Fairleigh Dickinson by eight points. I don't get Memphis could have beaten Fairleigh Dickinson on a buzzer beater, but either way, they would have won that game um, probably more. Well, definitely more times over than they would have beaten Purdue. So that kind of made me mad a little bit just because it was like, like of any game in the first round, that was the one where I was like, we should have had it not only because the refs screwed them over and they ended up losing the game at first, but the fact that they were then going to be playing fairly Dickinson in a game that I had Memphis winning anyway, like that, that was the real kicker for me. Um, but again, I would have had Duke Marquette in the in the Elite Eight regardless, so I would have only gotten that one extra win there. Um, so so yeah, so that's kind of my recap of, of of the good calls and bad calls that I had based on the picks I gave out in the podcast versus then the picks that I have now uh, in my actual bracket. Again, probably for the better because, like I said, I switched out Kansas to the Final Four, so now I have that entire bracket correct, basically, or that entire region correct. Um, I switched out Xavier, or I switched out Iowa State for Xavier, so now I have Xavier. I switched out 
Arizona for Creighton. So now I have Creighton. So I, I basically, I would have lost an extra final based on the picks that I gave on the podcast. I would have lost an extra final four team and three elite eight teams that now I still have remaining. So pretty happy about the changes that I made, even though, sorry, you guys, if you took my picks on the podcast. Yeah, exactly. To anybody who took some of our advice on, or took some of my advice on Iowa state or, ba- or Baylor or Duke or somebody like that, um, or both of us really for Duke, Sorry, we <laughs> we can't predict anything um, or everything. And that, it kind of just goes to show, like, you can't be an expert on this stuff. We, Matt and I do hours of research for our brackets every year. And our research, it makes sense when we talk about it. We give reasons and evidence for why we are picking these teams. And that's that's the whole fun of it. Like, people people ask me, my, my roommates especially, like, when I told them I make 25 brackets, I told him, I was like 24 of those brackets I'm making in five minutes each at the most. But like my one bracket that I actually submit to pools and that, that I actually think, you know, is, is going to work out. That one usually does the worst or like one of the worst out of all my 25 brackets. But it's fun to do the research and to reason your, with yourself why a team should win and why a team should make a run, especially if they're kind of a lower seed. So it's all fun and games, you know, doing this. But again, if you if you took our advice and put money on it, then we're very sorry. But I actually just noticed that my it, throughout the top two regions, the South region and the Midwest region, I got a total of six first round games right between those 16 games. So I got three in each region right <laughs> on that on that top part of the bracket. My lower part of the bracket was was a lot better, especially my my bottom left region, but and really my bottom right region. But um yeah, so moving on to what we think is going to happen from here, I'm just going to give like quick picks. I'm not really going to make, you know, you know, make a huge case for any or any given team. Um, but Alabama, San Diego State, I think Alabama is going to take this game. San Diego State is I think that they could beat Alabama. They, If there's anybody in this region left that can do it, I think it's San Diego State. I don't think Creighton or Princeton could really do it. Um, like Matt said, Creighton is just way too not or way too shallow. Sorry. I was going to say way too, not deep, but they're way too shallow. They're, they don't really have a bench. Um, and Alabama is pretty deep from what I know. So I'm going to go Alabama over San Diego state though. Cause I think they're just going to be able to inch them out, but that San Diego state defense, this tournament has been crazy. So watch out for maybe an upset bid there, but I'm going to go Alabama and then Creighton over Princeton probably as well. And then Alabama over Creighton. So um, I, I still have Alabama in my final four. I'm, I'm going to go the same thing in, in this other region. I'm still going Houston in my final four um, just because, I mean, yeah, there are Texas and Xavier in those in, in, in that bottom part of the bracket still left. But I think Houston is just the most the most athletic team in the country. And it looks like Marcus Sasser is fine. He had a really good game against Auburn. They were losing for part of that game, I think, for like a, a few minutes here and there. But then towards the end of the like second no, they half. Were, that, that's what I said earlier. They were down by 10 at halftime. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was the second part. And just, you're like, oh my God, are they going to lose? And we're going to have yeah. like all the, all the one seeds lose in the, in the second round or whatever. Um, but yeah. And then it was, it was an amazing defensive and offensive performance the second half. Yeah. I think, I think coming out of halftime, they were on something like a 31 to 10 run. Like, I, like I think Auburn had had 10 points or had scored 10 points. And then all of a sudden Houston was up by almost 20 points. And at some point in the second half, and I was like, dude, what is, what just happened? But um, that, that just shows you like Houston can turn it on at any time. If they feel like they're in danger at, at any time, they can they can just turn the Jets on and go crazy. So I still have Houston winning from that region. And then um in my in the bottom left region, I have th- this Kansas State Michigan State game. I think is going to be really really good. I just have Kansas State edging them out. Uh, I 
maybe just because I, I have Kansas, Kansas State in my elite eight to begin with. So maybe I'm kind of wishfully thinking there. I don't have any final four implications in this region of the bracket. So I don't really care, I guess, other than Kansas State, like that FAU Tennessee game. I, I'm telling you right now, I could not care less who wins that game. So I guess if FAU would make it easier on Kansas State if they won, but I don't know. It's it's kind of a crapshoot at this point. And then I still have UConn coming out of that bottom right region. I uh, have U- UConn and UCLA in that Elite Eight in that region, and they're both still alive. So it would be really cool to see that happen if both UCLA and UConn won, and then UConn made it to the Final Four. Um, that would be really cool to see. But then I and then I still have my championship game between Alabama and Houston. I don't think that there's going to be much that changes from my regular bracket. Again, maybe that's just me wishful thinking, but just tip. If you if you have a bracket that's busted, um, like bad, like like Mad and I do, then make a second chance bracket on ESPN. There is it's called like TC bracket challenge or something like that. If you go to fantasy and games on ESPN, just play that second chance bracket. Um, it just gives you a chance to pick from the sweet 16 on and kind of get a fresh start to your bracket. So if you want to do that, and if you want to like kind of ride with these picks with me, which hasn't voted well in the past, um, then do that and just pick a second chance bracket and see what happens. Cause it's fun. What, what that sounds like to me is if you want a second, if you want a second chance at having another bracket being busted, then go ahead and do that. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> but no, yeah. Me and Hayden also do 25 second chance brackets because again, this is the best time of my year. We're going to go over the March Madness commandments. Let me do that really quick. Well, actually, no, let me get my picks really quick. And then, and then I'll do the March Madness commandments to end us out here. Um, I also, I think Alabama's going to beat San Diego state. I think Creighton's going to crush Princeton. Um, I have that correctly in my early date still same with Houston beating Miami and Texas beating Xavier still have that correct. Um, over well i don't have miami i had kent state but i have houston and texas in the elite eight and i have texas winning that game again if marcus sasser plays anything like he did uh, against auburn in the second half then i think houston might uh but might, might not be able to be stopped here for the for the rest of the tournament here and then what do i have in the bottom right in the west region again i've gotten it all correct so far um so i have uconn beating arkansas and then i have ucla beating gonzaga i think this ucla gonzaga game is probably going to be the best game um of the weekend it, it's just gonna be crazy it's a it's a rematch of when it was one seed Gonzaga versus 11 seed UCLA in the final four uh Jalen Suggs hits that half court three um to to win it in overtime and go to the championship game and then get absolutely demolished by Baylor two years ago but anyway um that's gonna be a rematch of that game I think UCLA is gonna pull it out and get the revenge uh there and then like I said UConn beating Arkansas but dude honestly like and it's so funny because me and Hayden were texting. I think at, at one point on Thursday, when like half the games were over or whatever, the, my best, the bracket that I was, th- that was doing the best was the 25th bracket that I made the absolute last bracket. And I have Arkansas winning it all in that game or in that bracket. And like, honestly, dude, like for what I saw after they beat Kansas, like they could actually do it. And there's a reason that I picked Arkansas to win one of my brackets. Um, Cause I think they actually could, but so yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, you know, if Arkansas wins that game and, and makes a run here. Um, yeah. Tennessee, FAU, whatever. I'm just mad that FAU's here. They had a great season. They won 33 games. I think they've won the most games of anyone left in the tournament. So, or actually anyone in college basketball, basically for that matter, because they're in the Sweet 16 here. So amazing season by FAU, but Memphis should have beat you, whatever. Um, I think Tennessee's going to probably win that game. Their defense is just suffocating. I think Tennessee is probably going to go to the final four now. As much as I want to say Kansas State, like I love this story about Kansas State. Their, their coach, Jerome Tang, it's first year there. Kansas State was supposed to be picked. They were picked to finish last in the Big 12. And here they are in the Sweet 16. Like that's ridiculous. Um, 
I, but Michigan State's a two-point favorite. I don't think they should be a favorite. I think the books are just – honestly, I think with that that spread, I think the sports books are hedging against the amount of money that's going to come in on Michigan State because they know that Michigan State's a blue blood. They know that Tom Izzo's been a coach there for so long. Nobody's heard of Kansas State, so they want to bet on Michigan State, but I wouldn't be surprised if Kansas State pulls out that game. Um, so, yeah, so give me Kansas State and I guess Tennessee. Uh, but I do think that Tennessee's defense is, is – like weirdly enough, like just unstoppable, which, which is kind of weird. Um, and, and, and again, they lost their best player in Zakai Ziegler, but clearly does seems like it's not really mattering so far. Um, so those are my picks kind of going into the rest of the tournament here. Obviously we're going to have an update once we get the final four and everything from, from next week, quick overview of the still reigning success of the March madness commandments. A couple of things that we kind of went over before, you know, making your bracket, Almost all of them remain true. We talked about guard play and your backcourt strength is, is paramount. We talk about that a lot. So I think, and we went over a bunch of teams that that are still remaining that have good guard play. Teams like Arizona and teams like and, and Purdue who don't have good guard play, they're not here anymore. Uh, so so obviously that's a, a huge a huge strength. Um, and we see you know teams like. Alabama, Texas, Houston, who have amazing guards, like they're still here. They're still kicking it. Um, another one, obviously, is your Ken Palm rating, but specifically in the Ken Palm rating, I think like. For the last 20 years, the, the team that ends up winning was was like ranked inside the top 20 of offensive efficiency and defensive efficiency by the end of the it gets it gets in the weeds because the more games you play, the more your rating is going to go up because you're still alive in March Madness. So it's like at the end of the year, if you're ranked inside the top 20 in offense and defense on Ken Palm, you know, you've won the championship every year for like 20 years or whatever. But obviously you're going to be ranked because you're because you're moving forward. But Either way, I think you have like a 75% chance of winning or that the, the, the champions come 75% of if before March Madness starts, you're inside that top 20 of offensive efficiency and defensive efficiency. I think it was this year. I think it was it was Alabama, Texas, UConn and Houston, I think we're all four. or maybe it was only, yeah, I think it was all four of those and they're all still, they're still, uh, still here. So, um, that's kind of another thing to just keep in mind for future years for, for brackets, um, that Ken Palm rating being the top 20 of offensive and defensive efficiency. Again, it's, it's what's key because you have to be balanced in March madness. You can't rely on just, you know, just one stat, uh, to kind of hold you over here. So obviously good, good for those teams. Um, the reigning champion has not made the second weekend for five straight years. So, the last five champions of March Madness have then either not made the tournament at all in their next year or not made the Sweet 16 at all, made the tournament and then not made the Sweet 16. That remained true for Kansas being upset by Arkansas. Uh, and then the second one or the, the second to last one we have here is that conference champions can't hang. And this is something we talked about a lot on the on the podcast in our picks episode. And it definitely remain true so we have of the power six conferences including the big east the rsec champion alabama they're still alive they're still the best team uh they're still the favorite to win it all cool uh your big 12 champion texas they're still alive i picked them to win my entire bracket they're still alive cool every other power five power six conference champion has lost before the sweet 16 so you have marquette from the big east they won the regular season and big east conference championship tournament championship they're out they lost to michigan state uh cans or no not cans what the heck am i talking about um obviously you have duke who won the acc they lost to tennessee in the second round um the pac-12 champion arizona wildcats lost in the first round to princeton uh as the as the two over the 15 seed there and then which one am i forgetting the big 10 oh yeah by the way the big 10 well, I'm going to get to you next, uh, but the Big Ten champions, obviously Purdue, they won the regular season conference tournament, uh, both of them, and they lost in the first game as well to a 16 seed in Fairleigh Dickinson. So four out of the six uh, 
power six conference champions. And these are, again, these are your powers. These are your power conferences. These are the teams that are winning the best conferences in college basketball. Four of the six of them have not, did not even make the sweet 16. So we're going to continue that trend again next year. We're going to write these down, make a Bible of it. Uh, And then my final one here, big 10 and the mountain West suck. That's the, that is the overwhelming title of this podcast. It should be Um, the big 10 got nine teams into the tournament. That's more than any other team. And I think they've had more than any other team in the last, like however many years. And guess how many teams we have left Hayden. That would be one in Michigan state. So come on people. We got to realize at some point the big 10 sucks. I saw a stat and this is kind of crazy Northwestern, right? They were the number two seed in the big 10 championship or the big 10 conference tournament. They were, they finished the season, like the the number two seed or whatever. They got a seven seed in March madness and and kind of, you know, they lost to to UCLA Northwestern played Rutgers. And I think the last game of the season, if they had lost to Rutgers, well, if they beat, they beat Rutgers. So they, what they ended up having, they beat Rutgers. They got the number two seed in the big 10 championship. If they had lost Rutgers, they would have been the nine seed in the big 10. So that's how much the gap was just kind of, it was just, there was no gap. It was just, everybody was tied with each other and, and there were so many tiebreakers and whatever, but it was like, Hey, tournament committee, let's just not say, Oh, well, if that's how close everyone was, then we need to have everybody play in March madness because they're all so good. No, they're not. Michigan state was barely, I mean, they had to beat a two seed in Marquette to even make it to the sweet 16. And here we are talking about them as the last big 10 team available. So shut it with the big 10 stuff. I don't want to hear it. And from now on, we're fading the big 10. We get to March madness. Similarly for the mountain West, you had three teams. Well, four teams made that made, made the tournament from mountain West. And I said that from the beginning, fade the mountain West. Hayden was smart. He put San Diego state in the sweet 16. They are the only team that's actually legit because they have a top five defense. I will give them that, that San Diego state, this is one of their best teams ever. Okay. Cool. They made it to the. They made it to the uh, to the Sweet Sixteen. Previous to now, the uh, the big the Mountain West had lost eleven straight tournament games. They hadn't won a tournament game in five years. The entire conference, every team in this conference, has not won a had not won a tournament game in five years up until this year when we had uh, when we had San Diego State make the Sweet Sixteen. But guess what, people? That's right. We had four teams from the Mountain West make the tournament, and one team is in the Sweet 16. But also, only one team won their round of 30 or round of 64 game, won their first round game. That was because Boise State lost to Northwestern, never even coming close to winning that game. Uh, and then Utah State lost to Missouri, never even close in that game. I was high on Missouri. Hayden picked Utah State. Thank you very much. I told you to big fade the big the Mountain West there, Hayden. I know. Okay. I know. Anyway, yeah. So they're both ten seeds. Boise, oh Boise State, and you, and that was the other thing that made me so mad. It's like people, you hear people, oh Boise State, oh, Boise State. All these analysts and ESPN guys are like, oh Boise State, Utah State. They shoot the three like crazy, man. We got to pick Utah State to win this game. Oh Boise State, they're gonna throw so much better than Northwestern. And I know I'm going against myself there because I said to fade the Big Ten. You get the Big Ten and the Mountain West matching up. When the Big Ten and the Mountain West play each other, you take the Big Ten because they're the Power Five conference. Either way, none of them are left available uh, here in the tournament, obviously, except for San Diego State. And oh, and then Nevada, who in the play in game played Arizona State and got their butts kicked by 40 points. All right. So get rid of this stuff. The Big Ten and the Mountain West, they can they can have it uh, from here. So those are the those are the commandments. And I think we're going to stick by those. And next year, we got to bring this back. and We got to make it a segment on the podcast for our March Madness preview picks uh, to kind of include all of these commandments, because I think they're they're really holding true. And I really like to explain them. Yeah, I think we should actually next year we should actually, like you said, keep these commandments and then we should each or one of us makes a bracket basically just following these commandments like to a T and then see how it does because <laughs> that would be that would be yeah, really cool. I love do. that idea. Yeah. All right. Well, then we'll do that. Hopefully we'll remember to do that because that's going to be a year from now. But um, yes, but very, very good. I think that was probably the best stretch of the podcast there, Matt, so far. These 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 commandments. Um, I like how passionate you were and. 
yes, very, very good overview of, of what you should be looking for moving on, you know, in, in the years to come in March Madness. We're, we're already predicting, not predicting, but we're already talking about next year's March Madness. And it's, we're not even to the Elite Eight yet in this March Madness. We're, we haven't even played the Sweet 16 yet in this March Madness. So there we go, doing everything on this podcast. So with that being said, yes, we are a little bit over time here, not even really over time, because I, I would say that on average, these March Madness episodes are going to be about an hour, 15, hour, 20 minutes. So we're right around that mark right now. So we're going to go ahead and end it off here. Thank you guys, as always, for listening. Um, hopefully our advice moving forward, especially for this coming weekend in the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight games, hopefully our advice bodes well. And if you are bold enough and brave enough to take our advice and use it in your second chance bracket, or use it in a second chance bracket. Cause like Matt said, you can make 25. So why not? Cause we're going to do the same thing. Um, hopefully that that'll, that'll bode well for you. And hopefully we will be at least somewhat right in these, in these coming games. But with that being said, um, yeah, we're not going to have another episode until Friday, most likely. And I think Friday, what, what our plan is, is to get a, an NFL episode out. Obviously there's going to be games on, there's going to be less games on, it's going to be less volume. So we're going to have enough time to, or we're going to be able to watch the game that's going on while we record this podcast. Um, Cause we'll probably do it during the day ish. So look for another episode from us to come out like sort of midday ish. I'm thinking um, maybe kind of earlier, like right before noon or so, but um, we're going to try to do that. Get an NFL episode out for you guys. Cause there's been a lot of stuff that's happened with free agency and trades and signings and everything like that. So yes, that's the plan for the rest of the week. And then obviously we will have another one of these episodes basically the same exact format, but just reviewing next weekend's March Madness games a week from today on next Monday. So that's that. Uh, we're going to sign off for today. So again, thank you guys for listening and we will see you guys Friday with an NFL episode.